Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pursuing Greatness Podcast, a place where experts share their wisdom on living well by mastering your health, your wealth, your relationships, and your spirit. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone the best way to support the show is simply to share this episode with your friends and family. Also, if you want to learn more about Mastering Life, go to our website at pursuinggreatnesspodcast.com. With that said, I hope you enjoy the episode. We have a very special guest with us today, so grab your pen and paper and enjoy the journey. All right, we are live. Today we have with us Kuda Biza. Kuda is a serial entrepreneur who started his first company when he was just nine years old in Zimbabwe. Kuda then moved to the U.S. with only $40 in his pocket to study at Lynn University, where he started his second company. Kuda is now the author of the book, The Spear Method, and co-founder and CMO of Nunbelievable, a mission-based baked goods company that donates meals for every box of cookies sold. Kuda, thank you very much for hopping on the show today. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I was reading through your bio. We were talking before the show. I love mm-hmm. everything you're doing, especially the baked goods. I think that's really awesome. So I'm excited to, you know, get into your story. So to get us started, um, why don't you tell everybody listening and watching, you know, who you are, what you do, and how you got started down that path in the first place? Certainly. So yeah. So like you said, uh, I'm Kuda Biza. I was born in Zimbabwe. Uh, started my first company when I was nine years old. It's actually a funny story. Uh, the way it started was that it was a hot summer day and uh, I needed ice cream money. So I went to my mom and she said no, because I'd been <laughs> apparently been naughty that morning. And um, so, you know, I started asking myself, like, how can one person control my ice cream destiny? <laughs> so I, you know, in a quest to to really just put more control in my own hands, I noticed that my neighbor's windows were dirty. So I went back into my house. I took a bucket and my mother's cleaning supplies. And I went over to my neighbor's house and I uh, pitched her if I could uh, wash her windows for five bucks. And I'm not sure if it was a good sales pitch or if it was really just pitying the nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah, when you're uh, nine-year-old, you can sell anything, man. Yeah. So she said yes. And initially, I thought the job was going to be a breeze, right? In my mind, I was like, oh, 30 minutes, I'm going to be done. But it took me three hours. Uh, to finish. And uh, once I was done, I earned my first five bucks. And the next day, when the ice cream truck rolled around, uh, I bought the ice cream with my own money. And, um, you know, I was a big boy now. And I I realized the liberating power of entrepreneurship. So ever since then, I've been hooked. And, um, you know, my goal was to always come to America, uh, because of various reasons growing up. And when I came to America, um, the opportunity came about when me and my uh, former high school mate, he was in school in, in the UK, to start a mission-based business. And the reason was, as we were growing up in Zimbabwe, we did uh, witness firsthand a lot of poverty. So kids our age who were not going to school uh, because their parents did not have money, uh, mainly because in, in Zimbabwe at the time, uh, public education is not free. So if your family can't afford it, you're not going to school. So we wanted to make a difference because we felt blessed to have had the opportunity not just to finish our high school in Zimbabwe, but to even leave the country and go abroad. So we started uh, an apparel company 
with a buy one, give one model. So that was kind of like my first taste in the social entrepreneurship space. And then when I graduated college, um, I had the unique opportunity to work in a fairly large Fortune 500 company. And uh, the job that I got was uh, to be part of their innovation team. So the charter uh, for the team was to start new businesses. So literally think of ideas, look at trends, and create businesses from scratch. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. So for a kid who's coming out of college, who has a lot of energy, who started a business, this was a dream job. And I was able to create a meal delivery service under the Crockpot brand because um, the company I was working for, they, they're the owners of uh, Crockpot. So ah, I created okay. a business called Crockpot Cuisine, uh, launched it, and we were able to, to really build it into a multi-million dollar business and ended up having a strategic alliance with Omaha Steaks. And it, it was a big success. And I ended up also working on some of our e-commerce platforms um, within the company. And then an interesting opportunity came about. You know, I, I received a call and they said, hey, um, there's a guy who met a group of nuns. And uh, these nuns were being evicted in San Francisco. Anyway, the guy ended up helping the nuns. And um, his desire is to take inspiration from what the nuns were doing. And what the nuns were doing is they were baking these French artisanal cookies and selling them at farmer's markets and using the money not to pay rent, but using the money to um, support their soup kitchen that fed 400 people a day in San Francisco. So this guy was touched and moved so much that he wanted to bring uh, together some entrepreneurs and also partner with you know, some, some investors and launch a company taking inspiration from the nuns and um, you know, having a buy one, give one model to fight hunger. So at this time, I'm, I'm at this big Fortune 500 company. I have a really good job. I'm running a $75 million e-commerce division. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, when I was in college, you know, when I created that mission-based company, and now I went into the Fortune 500 uh, firm where I was learning how to build companies from scratch, I think this is the right time to then marry the two, right? To, to use the, the skills that I learned starting that uh, mission-based uh, apparel company in college, plus also all the best-in-class, uh, you know, practices that I learned in the Fortune 500 company to really create something that's meaningful at scale, um, you know, with, with some, some people around it. So, you know, I was like, okay, so who's the guy? And the guy turned out to be Tony Robbins. So <laughs> I was like, you know what, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Let me, let me go ahead and do it. So then I, I, I joined uh, him and uh, Loeb um, NYC, which is a venture collective in New York. And uh, we started working on building Unbelievable. Wow, man! So many things to pull from that story. That is, uh, that is awesome. But little did your mom know when she was withholding that ice cream uh, that she was creating a, a serial entrepreneur. So, yeah, mothers listening and watching—you never know what's going to happen when you, uh, when you, you know, give a little uh, withheld withholding the ice cream can turn into very good things. It, it, um, it does indeed. Awesome. So, hey, I mean, there's a lot of things to go into here. You, uh, you started an apparel business and then a meal delivery service business. Um, kind of take us, I'm, I'm interested to know about 
you know, the first business that you started, the apparel business, because, you know, the first one is always the hardest one. It's always the one mm-hmm. that, um, you know, creates the most, most fear, um, you know, makes you doubt yourself the most. So go into that one. What was the experience like? And, and, and then jumping out of it, how did you kind of transition into the, the next one, the meal delivery service? Well, I was a college student. So, you know, so you're I didn't cocky. Have any, any resources, right? So it was <laughs> literally bootstrapping. Me and my business partner, we were able to cobble together $150. That was the seed capital we had for this business. I love it. But one thing I learned is that sometimes it's not about the resources. Sometimes it's about being resourceful, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So what we did is um, instead of using that $150 to do things that didn't really matter, we focused on creating our, our first designs and we approached uh, an apparel maker and the pitch was simple. Hey, can you give us net 30 payment terms, right? We buy t-shirts. We won't pay you up front. We don't have the money. We only have $150 in our bank account, but um, we will make sure that we will sell as many t-shirts as we need to sell to pay you your cut within 30 days. And again, I didn't know if it was because I was that young, you know, college student or my pitch was really good, but the, the apparel manufacturer, it was a lady, she said yes. And she took a chance on us. And I think perhaps it was the mission uh, that we had for the business, which was to use a portion of the profits to educate kids in Africa. So anyway, she did the first production run. We sold our T-shirts and on day 28, went back to our office and uh, paid uh, the invoice and we built a relationship from there. So, you know, she, she, she was able to kind of like see us and trust us and we basically just used her as our line of credit to, to, to really build and, and, and drive the, the business. But it was really uh, boots on the streets type of selling uh, but we did it. Uh, no, I love that. And I like that you said uh, resourcefulness. You use that word re- resourcefulness. And I think that's so important um, when it comes to doing anything that you don't have the money for. Um, I mean, it, it, business is obviously the biggest thing, but there's so many things in life where, you know, you look at it and you're like, God, I really want to do that, but I don't have the money right now. Mm-hmm. So be resourceful, find a way. Um, you found a way through going to somebody and saying, Hey, I'll pay you on the back end. Um, you can trust me. Let's just do this trial run. And you did it. You performed. Um, and that's the important part there is, you know, keeping the integrity. You performed on your promise. Um, mm-hmm. So be resourceful and keep going forward. I, I, I love that story. That's really great. Um, and so you're working with, uh, oops, sorry, Nunbelievable right now. That's your, that's your yep. current role. Um, yep. I love the, I love the, the mission and I love the backstory into the, the company that there were nuns that were being evicted. Um, because they were, you know, they were, they had this business that they were running, creating cookies, but they were using the money to feed other people. Um, and so that, you know, this guy kind of swooped in, Tony Robbins was the guy that, that swooped in to kind of help him out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tony went in, helped them out and connected with, you know, some of his platinum members. So people like Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, and they were able to really help them get back on their feet. But, you know, he left a promise to say like, hey, we're going to use startup thinking to really join you in your fight in fighting hunger. Because the hunger crisis in America, believe it or not, is, is quite huge. And when I started digging into the facts to really learn more about it, because I, I didn't really know how big of a challenge it was here in the U.S., I found out, according to Feeding America, 
that more than 40 million Americans struggle with hunger. They don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Now, think about that number for a minute, right? 40 million people, that's more than the number of people in Canada. So there are more people in America who are hungry than the entire Canadian population. And And with COVID, I can bet you that the number is actually increased. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a big issue. And, you know, nowadays, if you think about business, I think as a business uh, leader, an entrepreneur, uh, a founder, I think you need to think beyond just the profit, right? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of your company? And to be totally honest, the world doesn't need another cookie company, but <laughs> the world does need another cookie company that has a mission because not only are we solving Uh, you know, and meeting a need for our customers by providing them a delicious cookie while also providing a meal to people who truly need it. So when we first started, our giving model was for every six cookies we sell, we'd give a meal. And we partner up with different nonprofit organizations across the U.S. that fight hunger. And as, as we started growing, since we started growing, we're able to realize some economies of scale and also, we were able to also work with other partners that are much larger and that, you know, have favorable meal costs that we've now actually been able to 6x our impact from six cookies equals one meal to now one cookie equals one meal. So we now have a one-for-one model, um, which, which is beautiful because whenever you're eating a cookie, someone else is having uh, a meal who's, who's homeless. And when you go out and talk to some of these people, because pre-COVID, one of the key tenants about our organization is to actually go uh, on the front lines um, as opposed to just cutting a check and say like, oh, okay, nonprofit, you handle it. We actually volunteer and go and, and we're on the front line so that we can actually meet and, and see the people that we're serving. And when you hear their stories, they're people just like you and me who just had a series of unfortunate events hit them, and now they find themselves on the streets and homeless. Mm -hmm. So it can happen to anyone, right? So it's super important for us, you know, to to, to really give back uh, and also for brands to think about what's a mission that you can, you know, you can address and and help because it's it's all about uh, creating value in the marketplace and then using that value to make a difference. Yeah, and no, I, I loved everything you said. I, I've always been um, kind of attracted to the giving model, um, to the model of a business that operates and also uh, has <clears throat> a social purpose on the back end. Um, but you know, businesses do exist to make to make a profit. If they didn't make a profit, it wouldn't exist. Um, and so you yep. do need to have you do need to be in the black. You can't be in the red, or else your business will go under. So how do you? Um, I guess how do you how do you put the the whatever the item it is whatever the social mission it is that you're you're entering into the business model um for you it's the meals how did you add that meal into the the cost of the cookie because you can't just create money out of nowhere and then give it away you have it has to be built into the you know the 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 business model the financial model so how did you kind of work that in there this is a beautiful question, and I love this question because it it gets to you know demystify some of the misconceptions around uh, mission based companies. There's a lot of research that has actually uh, been uh, shared 
that actually shows that customers are actually willing to pay a premium for brands that have a mission. So, mm. you know, a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs or wannapreneurs, right, um, are always thinking that you only compete against price, mm. right? Like price is the only metric. You have to be the cheapest. If, if, if you, you know, use that as the only competitive advantage, it's a race to the bottom. Mm. What we have with Nonbelievable, we have a premium quality cookie that we sell to, you know, to our customers. And, you know, our value proposition to the customers is that, hey, you're going to have something delicious, something made with better for you ingredients. Yes, we're not the cheapest cookie in town, but we're also making a difference by giving back. So we've already baked into our financial model that fraction. And here's the interesting thing now, Gabe, is that, you know, <clears throat> for, from, from our perspective, right, because when people see about our mission, we, we probably convert people, at, you know, quicker and more cheaply than a brand just, con, you know, competing on price and nothing else. So you'd actually see that having a cause, it actually turbocharges your marketing because now be, people have something to believe in. Now it's a movement. We did a survey to our customers where we asked them, hey, what, what is kind of like the thing that made you want to buy an unbelievable? And they told us, you know, um, it's, it's the mission. So it's actually helping us that we have a mission uh, and actually, you know, optimizing and making our marketing efforts more efficient. So, yes, you need to account for it. And as you're building a business model, make sure that it's, it's within your economics but what you also find is that having a mission will actually help you, um, especially once you reach your ideal target customer, because they're looking for brands that have a mission. So it's about understanding who your target customer is, knowing where to find them, and then the rest will work itself out. And there are numerous case studies of mission-based companies that have been able to scale, like Bomber Socks, like Tom's Shoes, and we're just following in their footsteps. No pun intended. <laughs> I like that little joke at the end there. Um, and no, I, I love that. I mean, you're right. People do, they pay more for, uh, for the knowledge that what they're putting their money towards is actually going to something that's helping other people. Um, I remember looking at Tom's shoes at the first place and, you know, I, I had my business, my, you know, eyes on and I was like, wow, is that shoe really worth what it, what it's at? But then I was thinking like, okay, it makes sense. I mean, you're, you're paying a sh for a shoe, you know, it's an attractive looking shoe. Um, you probably, it's probably not as, uh, as quality as, as, you know, something else that is at that same price point, but they're giving away, away shoes to other people. Um, and so I, I really, I don't know. I love that business model. And I love that you guys are, are pursuing that as well. Can I add um, something to it a, a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've learned is that there are three fundamental needs. So there's a functional need, right? So a functional need is for instance, I need to wear a shoe because I need to, you know, go to work, right? It's, it's functional. Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of a cookie, it's like, hey, I'm hungry or whatever. I need to, to eat something, right? So that's a functional need. And then there's a social need, right? Where, like, it's, it's meeting what people perceive you socially, like friends. So, you know, people worse wear certain brands because, you know, from a social context, they'll be like, oh, okay, you're, you're wearing X, Y, and Z, so... Maybe there's a status symbol to that. But then there's the emotional need, right? 
So for instance, I want to make a difference in the world. So, you know, for, from our perspective, we get to kind of like tick all three boxes, you know, from a functional perspective, we have a really good cookie, non-GMO, better for you ingredients, it's delicious. From a social perspective, you know, your friends or family might think like, oh, wow, this person has good taste, right? Um, or, you know, they're doing great to, to society. So there's that social element to it. But for you personally, emotionally as well, there's that need where you genuinely do want to make a difference and you are voting with your wallet and you want to make sure that your dollar has the maximum impact. Brands like Nonbelievable actually enable you to then uh, meet that need. So, so that's another way for you to think about it because then some brands that don't have a mission you don't have that emotional solution that people are looking for and you actually get to miss out on potential sales. I, yeah, I love it. So if anybody listening, watching, if you guys are thinking about or in the stages of launching a business, think if you can hit those three different needs, the functional, social, and emotional need um, of the, of, of your customer, because um, not only are you going to be helping the world better, you're also going to be more competitive as a company yourself. Um, so that is awesome. Kuda. Thank you for, you know, we are unfortunately at the end here. It goes by so quick, but thank you for coming on. Um, before we close out, we, uh, we do go through a quick question round. It's where I ask quick questions and you answer quickly. Um, and it starts out with books. I'm a big bookie. So I always ask for two book recommendations, one, your favorite business book and one, your uh, book recommendation on just general life wisdom. Okay. So <clears throat> My favorite business book has to be this one. So it's Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins himself. You know, it's, it's a perfect book for what we're going through right now in, in our current environment and even when things are great. But mastering money, I think it's something that everybody needs to, to do. So that's my business book recommendation. And then the second book, I kind of like have to be selfish. It's my book. Um, it is The Spear Method. Um, I worked 18 months on this. I am, quote, unquote, not a writer, but I was able to do it. And it really talks about the five simple steps to balance success and fulfillment. Because always people were just focused on success, but we never really think about how do you balance success and fulfillment, which was some of the pain points I had. I was really successful in the corporate life, but I wasn't fulfilled with, you know, what I was doing. And I decided to, to leave and work on something that I'm still successful at, but it's giving me fulfillment because of the impact that I'm making. So that's my second book recommendation. Awesome. So that is the spear method. Um, and I will put a link. It's on Amazon, correct? It is correct. Perfect. So I will put a link um, to the spear method in the show notes below. So if you guys want to jump on that, um, get a more wisdom from Kuda, uh, you can click through down below in the show notes. Um, next question, Kuda. This one is about habits. Um, we are, I believe that our life is created by the habits that we have. Um, you know, under, it creates the foundation for how we kind of live our life. So if you could point to one habit that you kind of feel has contributed the most to your life so far, what would that habit be? I think the habit has been uh, serving others authentically. I mean, you know, if you provide value to other people and if you go in there with, with a heart to serve in a very authentic way, it'll come back at you with interest. Um, so, you know, that's really been my mantra to see, like when I'm meeting someone new, I always think about what are the things that I can do for you, 
um, before I even think about like, hey, what could they do for me? So I think just having that heart of servitude will help you go far in life. Awesome. I love it. Having a, a service mindset. Um, the next question, and this one goes back to the younger self. The, so think about the CUDA who, you know, your mom just told you you can't have the ice cream and you're like, you know what, I'm going to go make my own money. So go to that CUDA who's just washing those windows, sit him down and give him one piece of advice moving forward. What is that piece of advice? Dream bigger, you know. Um, I came from a very poor, low-class middle family. And when I would tell people that I'm, I want to go to America, they would like ask me, like, how? Because for them, when they would see it, it wasn't practical, right? Mm-hmm. But I had the dream, and I was able to find a way to, to get here. Um, so what I would say is just dream big. Because, you know, if you're shooting for the moon and you miss, you'll probably land on the stars, which is still great. Um, and it's passed beyond the sky, right? Because all oh, people are always saying the sky is the limit. Well, no, the sky is not the limit. Go beyond that um, because, you know, your, your dreams can really take you far. I love that. That's great. Uh, final question, and this one's for the listeners. You have given us tons of great advice today, tons of, of wisdom gems um, that you've shared. And so I'm sure some people listening and watching would love to get in contact with you. Um, you know, if they wanted to do that, what would be the best way for them to reach out? So the best way would be to go to Instagram uh, and go on Kuda Biza. So K-U-D-A-B-I-Z-A. You can check out my Instagram uh, account. And another way is you can just go on to my website, which is spearmethod.com. So S-P-E-A-R method.com. And if you're down for a delicious cookie, just go to nonbelievable.com. <laughs> Perfect. Well, awesome, Kuda. Thank you again for hopping on the show. For everybody who is here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. We couldn't do this without you. Um, Again, the best way to support the show is just to subscribe, like, and share this episode with your friends and family. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Pursuing Greatness podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show and got some actionable advice and insights that you can apply to your own life today. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to support us, the best way to do so would just be to subscribe to the show and share this episode with your friends and your family. If you'd like to learn more about how to master your life by mastering your health, wealth, relationships, and spirit, head on over to our website at pursuinggreatnesspodcast.com. With that said, I hope you have an absolutely amazing day. Keep living in integrity with yourself. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.